Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Here in this life. Here in
Peace, peace, family. You are tuned in now to the premiere show. Um, finally, we made it. Masterminds with Brother Shemel. And basically, uh, this is the first show of many shows we will be having uh, on First World Order Radio. And just to give you a synopsis of um, summary of what this is, this show will give a refreshing approach to the subject of moral science. Various aspects of metaphysical knowledge will be explored as it relates to what's called by many the Circle Seven, as well as other spiritual writings. Uh, we will also present various authors and scholars who possess a unique insight into the spiritual side of the Moorish movement. Um, along with myself, uh, we will have, I will have with me a guest um, co-host, um, and today's guest co-host who will be joining me shortly is Sister Wilhelmina Bay, the Assistant Grand Sheikahs of the Moore Science Temple of America in Durham, North Carolina. I'll be bringing her shortly. And before I begin, definitely beginning all things in the name of the Most High, I want to give honors, um, first give honors to all of the divine master teachers who came before us, uh, whether you call them prophets, messiahs, what have you. I want to give honors to um, my brother, Dr. Aline Mel Bay, as well as his other half, Empress Kadira Bay, El Bay, for providing this platform um, for me to disseminate this information. Um, high honors to them. Um, I can't thank them enough for that. And shortly I'll, I'll talk about the, um, the event, how the United Washita Healing and Indigenous Law Expo went. I was there last week, last Sunday. Um, it was great. I also want to give honors to my home temple in Durham, North Carolina, under the leadership of Grand Governor Robert Stonell. I want to give honors to uh, my brotherhood, Ali's men, give honors to all faithful and, and active Moors. And honestly, each and every one of you for listening at this call. Also, in addition to that, I, I don't want to miss out um, the extended family um, for First World Order Radio, um, that being um, Brother Blackwater. I got a chance to see him, uh, meet him last Saturday. Great meeting him and honors for um, that information he, he sent out to us. Honors to Brother Jamal and his show. Um, also, Brother Fahim L. Grand Sheik out there in the territory um, of St. Louis. And again, honors to each and every one of you. We're going to go into um, some things. I'll just be, but before I do that, I do want to talk about um, just what took place last Saturday. Uh, I was invited out, of course, to the United Washita um, Expo Heal Healing and Indigenous Law Expo. Uh, I did a presentation on the Holy Breath. It was it was great, um, great vibrations. Um, it was just a great day. 
and got to do a lot of things, got to um, learn a lot of things. Dr. Eileen was breaking it down with the Reiki and the prana healing and all of that. So it, it was really good. Also, um, definitely we're going to be also talking about some other things as well. Um, so be on the lookout for that. We're going to have, like I said, we're going to have some uh, upcoming authors. Uh, just to give you a heads up, one of the authors will be uh, my good brother, Brother Eric Munjin Bay from the Moorish Holy Temple of Science, and I'm going to invite him to speak on his book, uh, Noble Soul, which is a must-read. Um, if you have not gotten it, you should get it. You can get it at Amazon um, as well as you can get my book. I'm, I'm going to plug myself in. I have several books, uh, What is the Higher Self, Who is Elohim, and What is the Devil Sometimes Called, and you can definitely uh, reach out to me um, either through my Facebook um, page. You know, a lot of you um, are friends, maybe friends with me on Facebook, or you can email me at shem45, that's S-H-E-M, 45 at hotmail.com. Very shortly, I will have my website up and running, um, Uh So be on the lookout for that. I will keep you updated on that as well. So without further ado, what I want to do is bring in uh, my esteemed co-host, Sister Wilhelmina Bay, Islam. Islam. Islam, Islam, how are you doing this evening? I'm fine. How are you? So before we're just gonna have a conversation, a dialogue, and chop it up on a few things. Just giving a brief overview of um, what Masterminds is about, and we definitely will open up the lines um, for any questions anyone have. Um, again, the call-in number is five six three nine 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 three seven three eight, and um, when we open up the lines for questions or open up the platform, you can just, I believe, press 1, and then we'll show that you raise your hand, and we'll let you in to ask your question or if you have a comment. Um, so with that, before I begin, uh, was there anything, Sister Wilhelmina, that you wanted to um, just touch on briefly? Um, yeah, I don't want to put the pressure on you. Yeah, I'm just a little nervous. Um, uh, it's okay. But, uh, it's okay. We're just talking. That's it. Trust me. We're just having a dialogue. What I'm going to do, what I want to do, Sister Wilhelmina, I'm going to go ahead here and just give a uh, an overview. We're, we're just going to build on the Circle Seven, and um, and you can just follow with me, and we can just you know give our measures of understanding on that. So the the title of the show, of course, is Masterminds, and the inspiration for the title comes specifically from Chapter 7 of the Circle 7, also known, formerly known as the Holy Quran and the More Science Temple of America. Um, some may have it as the Holy Quran of the Moorish Holy Temple of Science, um, Either way, it's the same writing, the Moorish Holy Quran. And if you go to, um, there's actually several parts in chapter 11 where it speaks on master masterminds. 
but the one key um, verse um, that inspired me to actually call this show Masterminds was um, 36. In the 36th verse, it says, In yonder kingdom of the soul, this carnal evolution is not known, and the great work of mastermind is to restore the heritage of man, to bring him back to his estate that he has lost when he will, when again, when he again will live upon the ethers of his native plane. And that brought to mind chapter 1 of the Circle 7, which speaks specifically about the creation and fall of man. And somewhere uh, on page six, uh, page five, I'm sorry, of of the uh, circle seven, it speaks specifically about the heritage, um, where it says that man is the lord of all the plane of all the plane of manifest of protoplasm of mineral, but he gave up his birthrights just to gratify his lower self. But man will regain his lost estate, his heritage, but he must do it in a conflict that cannot be told in words. So that lets me know that in that conflict that man, male and female, we must go through, that is the conflict that is required in the great work of the mastermind, meaning that to be a mastermind, you must master your mind because everything starts with the thought, as it speaks about in Chapter 1, um, thought being a seed. The thoughts of Allah are the everlasting of the past unto the never-ending days to come, and so is man the spirit man. So when we're dealing with being a mastermind, what does it mean to be a mastermind? To and the great work of the mastermind is to restore that heritage, that heritage, um, which is our right, our birthright. A lot of people say, you know, um, our birthright was taken away. That's not what the Circle Seven says. It says that man gave up his birthright just to gratify his lower self. So we have to regain it through the act of actually mastering the mind actually going through putting in the um, the tools of the workshop of the mind, which is mentioned in Chapter 5 of the Circle 7. Um, Can I ask there, you one question? Uh, yes, absolutely. Just to, as you're talking about that, um, maybe some people may want to know how they gave up their birthrights. Like, can you, we can talk about um, maybe slavery. When we had everything and lost everything. Absolutely. That's a a great question. Losing the birthright, losing memory of who you are, and the struggle to come back to find out who you are is a lot of work within itself. But, you know, as far as how we lost our birthright, I think would be a good thing, maybe too. The listeners may be interested in. Yeah, definitely. That, that's a great question. And um, 
because you mentioned slavery. So one of the things that comes to mind is going to the 47th chapter of the Circle 7, which speaks specifically about um, how due to sin, every nation uh, suffered uh, through, through sin and disobedience, every nation has suffered slavery due to the fact that they honored not the creed and principles of their forefathers. So let's just look at it from that content. Um, even going beyond what we would consider to be the religious um, context or the, the religious interpretation of sin and disobedience, just dealing with principles on, on a metaphysical level. Um, what are the principles that goes through your forefathers or your ancestors? That that ties in back to the very nature of who you are, your descent nature. So within within your memory of your your DNA, there are certain things that goes way back through your ancestors that can be recalled. But if you don't connect back to that, then you are operating against your own nature. So it goes back to the Moorish questionnaire where it asks the question, how did the prophet begin the Moorish Americans? And the answer that was given is by teaching them to be themselves. So that is a confession that, one, we don't know how to be ourselves. You know, um, if you look at just what's going on now, where they do all these different challenges, these viral challenges, um, you know, they got all types of challenges, and it's really stupid. They, it, it just gets dumber and dumber, more ignorant. So it lets you know that they're they're easily swayed. The masses of people are easily swayed by things that that go back to the lower self, giving up the birthright by gratifying the lower self. So, you know, when we deal with the lower self, we know we're dealing with the carnal, the carnal side of us. Um, that's the body of desires. And that body of desires only confines those things made manifest. So if you look at the slave mentality or mental slavery of our people, it is a mentality of a people who are strictly about gratifying their lower selves, gratifying the flesh, um, immediate satisfaction. So that allows for people that, that allows for people who are more in control, who are more disciplined to enslave them. Basically, and to take it another step further, would be um, people care about what other people think. People care about how they look. Not to say there's something wrong with that, <clears throat> but when it's to the point where God could be talking to you, telling you something, but you're worried about how it looks to other people, you know, that's another form of coming to the lower self, what it's all about, 
appearances, Absolutely. so to speak. You know. Absolutely, because they they only they only care about the outer shell, the the physical, the flesh. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, like I said um, in the presentation that was done um, about a month or so ago um, in Durham at the Haiti Center, um, what I did with Dr. Aline Melbay, where I mentioned about how we live in the uh, age of the selfie. Everybody's into selfie. You know, every every two minutes you're taking a new picture of yourself. You know, you're always looking, you're always fascinated with the physical body, always trying to look a certain way, always trying to impress impress the girl, impress the guy. You want to wear this because it, it shows off that. You know, everything, you know, everything is about the outer layer. People are geared, look, um, they look outwardly and think that the outer the outer them, the physical them, everything of material is real, then it leads them to not tap into their true self, their higher self. And your true power, your true mastery lies within your higher self, the real you, the spirit that still lives on after the physical body um, passes away. That's truth. Truth, what is truth, truth is art, what is art, art is Allah. Can truth change, truth cannot change nor pass away. So truth is that which has no beginning and end. That's what is broken down in the um, chapter 1, you know, where it says uh, time never was when man was not in life. A man at any time began, a time would come when it would end. The thoughts of Allah cannot be circumcised. No finite man can comprehend things finite. All finite things are subject to change. All finite things will cease to be because there was a time when they were not. Right? So that, that goes back into the, then it says the bodies and the souls of men are finite change, finite things and they will change. So the body is always changing. And what's so, what's so crazy about it is that the masses of our people have been addicted to the change. What, what I mean by that is that we've been addicted to the fad. We've been, and fad comes from the word fade, to fade away. So the latest fad is, let's say hypothetically, you know, wearing a mohawk and dyeing it. That's, that's going to fade. You see what I'm saying? Then it may come back. High tops came back. You follow what I'm saying? So, you mm-hmm. know, certain things of that nature. So these things come and go, but they always have a beginning and an end. There's always a time when, you know, it's not the thing to do. It's, it's not cool anymore to um, wear bell bottoms. Now it's skinny jeans. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's skinny jeans in it. You know, 50-year-old men are walking around skinny jeans. So that is now it's a confession or a confirmation, rather, that we're, we're trapped in time. We're trapped in time. Remember time that we was was when man was not but as long as we can as long as you're trapped in the in the um in the the limits of time then you can be dictated by it that's why in the era of social media everything has an expiration date everything it has um is only going to last for a hot minute that's why you got everything now is so it's instant 
a tweet. You can't have a long tweet. It has to be short. It has to be real quick. You, and you keep doing it, you know, on Twitter. Trump goes on Twitter rants. But it's real quick. It's real short. Everything is dealing with the short time attention span that people have gotten into. That's, that's, that's far from a mastermind. A short attention span is, is letting you know that you don't think long range. And also, the more you focus on the outer world, the more you pull yourself away from the creator. You know, when you're focusing on all the, all the stuff that you're seeing, trying to keep up with the Joneses or listening to, you know, the latest song, the latest fad, the more you do that, the less you have time to become one with the creator. You're not listening to him per se. You're more focused on the outer world. And I think that's, um, I think that's a huge problem for most of our people. Um, something that we all need to work on as far as becoming more in tune with the creator. Like, for instance, when you become more in tune with the creator, sometimes you kind of lose track of time. You, you lose track of certain things sometimes. Like, something you may have done, or it may seem like you haven't done it in a long time. It just feels like the more you are in tune with the creator, your sense of timing is sometimes can be off when thinking about things or doing certain things. Does that make sense? Exactly. Exactly, because time doesn't exist. Time doesn't exist in spirit. So when you do things of a spiritual nature, you don't track time because you literally take yourself outside the cycle of time. It's like this. Um, last week when I was uh, giving the presentation about breathing, um, holy, the holy breath and breathing, and I, I made the statement. I said that if you were to um, tell a person, the average person, just take five minutes and practice, you know, breathing, you know, concentrate your breathing and um, breathing exercises, they may tell you that they don't have time. Mm -hmm. Even though the average person spends four hours on a computer, you know, either in the form of in front of a laptop or on their mobile phone, they spend the average of four hours. But those four hours are consistent they're broken down into bites. What I mean by that is that they're under the illusion that it's short because they may watch a short YouTube video or they may do a, a quick tweet post, Facebook post. Everything is broken down into bites. Um, it's been said by certain marketers, research, uh, marketing researchers that, you know, most videos, you know, after 10 minutes, nine to ten minutes, you lose the person loses attention. So they try to keep okay. it under that under that um time limit. Um so but it's a series of those small bites, so to speak, that now eats up into four hours. But yet and still you can tell that same person who spent four hours on the computer or in front of their with their face on the on their phone to take 
put the phone down and spend five minutes breathing, and they'll tell you they don't have the time. It it's mm-hmm. amazes me, like, for example, when I'm around people and um, they hate silence. It's not they get real uncomfortable to be next to other people in silence and not have it. They, they, they get agitated because what that folk has them do is that has them, it forces them to go into their own thoughts. And most people are afraid of their own thoughts. So just like mm-hmm. you said, um, when you get into there, you, you, you break time, you know, you break time. That's why dreams, if you notice dreams um, seem like the dreams that we remember seem like they take hours, but they really only happen within um, minutes. The dream actual, the dream, the dream sequence in, in physical time only takes place the last few minutes of your sleep, but you're under the impression it feels like you was in that dream for what, felt like a whole almost half a day a whole day because mm-hmm. you 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 actually literally break time in consciousness because you're dealing with another dimension that is not um ruled by the law of time in this physical plane or the plane of things made made, made manifest so that's that's the level that being a mastermind has to take you to because also if you go back just to just to go back to the circle seven clearly says certain things um for example in the same in the same um chapter chapter 11 verse 17 um actually start with 16 it says regard not then what any man has said let us forget the flesh and go with mind into the land of fleshless things. Mind never does forget. And backward through the ages, master minds can trace themselves and thus they know. Then it says time never was when man was not. Right? So that's literally what you do when you in the dream state. You go into the land of fleshless things because there's nothing physical that you can touch. Even though it feels real, you don't. You, you it's not physical. It's in your mind. You forget the flesh. You follow. You you you're floating. You're flying. And you're able to do things that are not that that you're not bound in the in the plane of the physical plane, plane of manifest. And it says the mind never does forget. That's where you get deja vu and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And back backward through the ages, masterminds can trace themselves, and thus they know time never was when man was not. So the dream world, um, just like you know, everybody has talked about it. The movie Inception, um, that's a perfect um, for those who have never watched it. That's a perfect example of a breakdown of how dreams work, you know, in, in reference to time. Because time is not really the factor Physical time is not really the factor When it comes to experiencing the dream Thus you can experience past, present, and future All simultaneously in that moment So, you know, that's that's where 
you know, using the tools of the workshop of the mind will allow you to get to open yourself up to those realities. You know, um, you know yes. Some, sometimes, like if I have certain times, I'll have a dream about someone, and depending on the person, I know that there's an upcoming, like, uh, they're going to do something that will probably make me angry. I don't know who the person is. And um, as you're talking about dreams and seeing different stuff, sometimes you can see certain things, or sometimes you can see something that's going to happen before it happens. Or sometimes you see stuff that happened in your past that you're trying to understand why you're at a certain point or where you're at today. You know what I'm saying? Like, for instance, myself, you know, I always dream about where I grew up at, and I don't know why, but I do. And I try to understand why does everything go back to where I grew up at, because I haven't lived there in such a long time, but it just seems that that's the focal point sometimes. But then when something happens, you know, it's always with someone I may know. So just expounding on the point of what you were saying about dreams and seeing different things, and as far as with the breathing and breathing being important. I tested myself one day. One day someone made me mad and I realized I hold my breath when I'm mad. And the more you hold your breath and you have these, you get more angry. So I had to consciously look at myself and see what I was doing. Right. And then I realized once I realized what I was doing, if someone makes me angry, I take the time out to breathe. And then the anger is just it's gone, and then you realize what they're making you angry about is something really silly. That's, that's, that's very true. That's, that's, that's so true. Yeah, um, yeah the emotions, uh, mm-hmm. particularly in, in this case, anger, it, because, again, that emotions are sprays of the lower self. So we know that the higher self is, is a law of man, the higher self connects with, with truth. So in the holy breath. So it's no it's no coincidence that not just you, but many people who get angry either one hold their breath, right? Like you may have seen the cartoons of uh the character they hold in their breath and their face gets real red. Mm-hmm. You know, like like that. Or they breathe. They they breathe um, through their nostrils. They breathe in, uh, and, in other words, they they go. They do an inhale and an exhale through their nostrils forcefully. Like like it. They don't do the proper breathing of inhaling deeply through their nostrils mm-hmm. and exhaling deeply through their mouth. It's a it's a real um, shallow, short breath, series of shallow, short breaths. And, and um, it's interesting because in the Quran of Mecca, they, they have a term called Naru Samun, which is the poisonous fire. And a, 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 smoke, a smokeless fire, right? Poisonous or smokeless fire, which deals with 
the aspect of that that breath, that negative breathing. So, in other words, when when you have that that negative energy, right, it comes out like fire. Or uh, they say, oh man, he's burning hot, flaming hot. Like it's always denoted with that. So likewise, in the proper breathing, like you said, to do proper breathing, which connects you with your holy breath, you're able to calm down and you're also able to reflect. So it's not you're you're allowing your higher self to take charge. Yeah. Because because of the proper breathing because of the amount of oxygen um, that you're, you're taking in. I mean, it, it all connects into literally um, the elements of that's within the oxygen and how it connects to your brain, allows your brain to function, your nerves, et cetera, because you have to be able to be, um, to calm, be calm. In order to master any situation, you cannot master that situation. If, like we're going talking on the level of masterminds, you cannot master any situation um, in a erratic mood or aggravated mood mindset. That's true. Because because you won't be able to focus. You won't be able to um, do discriminative thinking. It's all about how you feel, and that's why mm-hmm. one person says, "I blacked out. I spazzed out." It was an emotion. It was all about how they felt, not the thought. So, so that's where the that's where the lower self comes into play. And what does the lower self breed? Hatred, slander, lewdness, murder, theft, and everything to harm. So you get angry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just wanna, I just wanna smash his face. You know, I just wanna step. Like it's, it's, it's not even a thought of reasoning. It's only yeah. a reaction based on how you feel at the moment. Yeah. But the moment you can shift how you feel through your breathing, then that thought no will dissipate because it can only yeah. feed off of the fire. That's true. And, you know, some people, they like to make you mad just to see that they can affect you, you know? Yes. Like, when they see that you lose control and you get into your lower self, sometimes that may give your enemy or whomever that satisfaction of seeing you get mad and go to your lower self or see that they have affected you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and those would be the representatives of the lower self. You know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so they have they come with an agenda. You have people that come with an agenda uh, wherever you go. Um, some people have positive agendas. Some people have negative agendas. The ones who who will come to you and try to push your bu- button, so to speak, they are ones that uh, will actually have that negative agenda. And the negative agenda basically is more geared upon um, – the satisfaction of seeing chaos. It's like a person who does pranks. They they, they feed off the emotion. 
say that's mm-hmm. certain people are just like that. They have that type of spirit, that type of energy. They feed off the emotion. They're not really concerned with the pros and cons of any particular situation. They only are concerned with the the chaotic reaction. They they only are concerned, oh man, you know, look what I did and that you know, um and that person just that person was screaming, you know, I put a you know, a rat in the bed or whatever. I don't know. Could be anything. But whatever they're doing, they're doing it to be able to say that they have an effect. And the effect is always something dealing with emotion. It's an emotional response that they feed off of. And that goes back to the aspect of their being psychic vampires. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you're dealing with emotion, you're dealing with energy and emotion. In other words, you give off energy through your emotions. Yes. So and you give away they, control, too. And you give away control. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the giving away control is the giving up of your divinity. Because to mm-hmm. be in a state of divinity is to be in control. Mastermind. God is always in control. To be in the state of God, God, man, God, woman, you have to be in control. Right? You can have a God mind or you can have a slave mind. Right? Yep. God mind is the mastermind. So to be, so master is control. The mastermind is the mind that is in control. So, and being able to make someone react a certain way is not particularly mastery, right? The true mastery is the mastery of self. That's why it says in Chapter 3, if, you know, if you were to ask me, what to study, I would say yourselves, and you have well studied them, and then would ask me what to study next, I would reply yourselves, right? And so the key is the mastery of self. That's the true mastery. You're not mastering, you're not being a mastermind if you can make a person, you know, um, think that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread and then want to give you $1,000, you know, or or a guy gets a girl to um, have sex with him on the first date, that's not mastery. That's just manipulation based on emotions. Mm-hmm. They, that person who's been able to manipulate based on emotions still haven't mastered themselves because they are still slaves to their own personal lower self, their own emotions, their own desire, the desire to feel empowered, you know, to empower yourself, it it shouldn't be a desire, meaning there should be an aspiration to better yourself, but when you desire power, power is an illusion, it's a manifest of force anyway, it's just a manifest, so, and it comes and goes. So that's why people say you watch the <clears throat> you watch the show Power. <laughs> like I don't I don't I, I don't understand. I, I don't watch TV show. that much. <laughs> and um, I don't watch Power. You can't convince. I don't care if it's Fifty Cent 
And the fact that it's yeah. sense, that's even more reason for me not to watch it because he's a rapper. You know, he's not a, you know, this, this is not Spike Lee. It's not nobody who has that type of um, credentials in in the, um, in the world of Hollywood to me, for me to be impressed that he put out that show. And, I, and I've really never watched it. But just the aspect, the term power is something that that word power intrigues, it, it excites people. You hear people say money and the power, money, power, and respect, you know. So power, empire, and, and mostly our people, you know, yeah. you know it's like melanated people. It is propaganda. Yeah. It's propaganda. To make them want something that they know that they already have, but they don't know that they have it because they're looking at a TV show or they're hearing a rapper saying something that appeals to them, and they yeah. they go after what they see instead of looking inside of themselves. Right. They look at that as the example of <laughs> of um, of attainment, of achievement, of a high level of achievement to be. That is nothing. It's a, it's a it's an illusion. It's a false. First off, they're acting. That's first off. But mm-hmm. people will put their emotions into it and talk about. And I and I promise you, I have not watched this show, but I hear people talk. Yeah, Tariq this, Ghost that, da da da. I don't know these, but they talk. It's like the soap opera. It's the new soap opera of 2017. You know where people identify with the characters as if they're real. You know, so that's that's the illusion in and of itself. So they give you give the energy. You make these things real. Mm-hmm. Like if nobody if nobody watched it, then it would no one it wouldn't be what it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like you know. Even you can go into the aspect of Illuminati. It was a time where it was like a hundred different Illuminati videos put out. Because all of a sudden, people's attention went into it, and it was fed, you know, mm-hmm. with, because it's all reactionary anyway. Whether there's an Illuminati or not, you still got to go back to self. Are you studying yep. yourself? Because what what's being done by a group of people called the Illuminati is not going to um, get you one with with the omnipotent. It's not going to make you one with with your true self. You know that information. It's good. I'm not saying it's bad information to have. It you know it's information like any other information. It's something to know, and maybe it can help you in certain other ways. But you still have to study self, yourself, yeah. your higher self and your lower self. So that's all that that we we we've been programmed. Programming of the mind, TV program. They call it a program because it literally is programming the mind. It's mind programming. And they got you trapped in that. It takes you away from the true work. That's the great work of the mastermind, which, of course, is to restore the heritage of man, to, to bring yourself back to your the state that you lost, where you will live again upon the ethers of your native plane. Native plane is the plane that you originated from. 
in the plane that you originated from is the spirit plane. So in order to do that, you have to be able to raise your vibration to that and gain knowledge of that. You're not going to gain knowledge in it, you know, watching power or loving hip-hop or, you know, whatever else, doing whatever new challenge they got out now. It's not going to go that way. It's going to go on actual work, using tools of the workshop of the mind. Um, and like I said, there's many, many different masters, authors, and scholars, um, such as the brother I mentioned, um, Eric Munjin Bay, who's put out books. I've put out literature. You know, it's available. There are keys, and, and we cannot forget um, the master that that inspired all of us, the mastermind that inspired all of us, which is Prophet Noble Drew Ali. Mm-hmm. Noble Drew Ali and what he laid out, because we're, we're building on the record that he divinely prepared, um, the Circle mm-hmm. 7. So this is, these are all keys that we can put into play. And it's necessary. This is necessary work that has to be done. It is work. It's not something that you can just wish upon yourself, oh, I'm going to be a mastermind. No, it takes work. And I'm not saying it in the context of an ego. I'm not saying it in the context of I'm a mastermind and you need to get like me. I'm still working on myself. This is a lifetime. We all are. This is lifetime work. The the point of this show is to get us to, to speak in that context to speak in the term of mastermind, to speak in the term of putting in the work, of actually developing the mind, the spirit, the soul, where these things, we can manifest it at that God level, you know. So that's important. So like, for instance, with the church, the church might tell you if something happens, you know, turn it over to Jesus. Right. So what we're saying right. is, instead of turning it over to Jesus, work through it. Because going through whatever it is that's bothering you will develop your character and teach you who you are. And you start to learn who you are. Yes. So that's, you know, that's a, an aspect that, you know, people should get familiar with. When conflicts come, they come to teach you something, to either wake you up, or teach you something. So instead of just going to, you know, a pastor to get, or, you know, where they say turn it over to Jesus, so to say, you know, you look at it as something that, okay, I've been given this, you know, whatever this may be, you may not like it, but how do I get through it? And you start to, and from that point, you can start to learn and build on who you are and why do you get certain things. So, for example, like a female can pick the same type of guy um, that she knows is not good for her, but maybe a different guy, but this person has the same characteristics of a bad person. That means if she's doing that, she hasn't learned her lesson from the first time. So, you, so you, you know, I use that as an example of learning, of learning who you are, things that you like and things that you don't like, and start to get to know yourself. And it could be from any situation, whether it's a bad relationship, whether it's... um. A bad relationship with a 
relative, spouse, boyfriend, whomever. You meet different people and, you know, different people have different conflicts for whatever reason, but it's for them to start to get to know, get to know who they are and how they deal with situations instead of ignoring it. Absolutely. That, that's, that's right. And uh, when you talk about conflict, just like you said, um, you have to go through it. Conflict, for there to be a conflict, a conflict must have a resolution, mm-hmm. at least one. That's just, yeah. there may be multiple resolutions to a conflict, but there must be at least one resolution. And when you look mm-hmm. at the word resolution, it's re-solution. Re is the prefix meaning to do again, so or to have again. So the solution is not a new solution. It's a solution that was, it existed before. You just need to apply the solution again because it mm-hmm. even says that, you know, man is the Lord of plain, of all the plain of manifest, right? And then it says, go later on, it says, gave up, that man gave up his birthrights, and he will regain it, regain his lost estate. So you had the solution. We had the solution being one with, with the divine, being one with the omnipotent, being one with the law. Every nation has a name, but regardless we all acknowledge that we are dealing with the causeless cause and rootless root from which all things have grown. So you had that, we've had that solution already, but we debased ourselves. So it's almost like, you know, you gave the example of a, of a, of the relationship. It's like, you know, giving another example, a person could be in a good relationship with a person but they're not satisfied. That man, is, he's wandering around, and then he goes off and messes with somebody and then finds out that it's not all that it's cracked up to be and realizes he had a good woman all along. <laughs> you know? So it's like you, you, we've had that. We, we were already at that state, you know, because remember we started off on the, on the spirit plane, and we fell. The first chapter of the Circle 7 is the creation and fall of man. To fall means that you have to be at a certain height. Mm-hmm. We were at that height. And in, in the cover of the Circle 7, it says, to redeem man from the sinful and fall stage of humanity back to the highest plane of life with his Father God Allah. So you, going back to the highest plane means that you was once there. It's a return. It's not... It's, you're not going someplace to where you never was. And that's what people have to think about. When people talk about the Jesus, just to talk on the, the Jesus aspect, um, and we'll probably do a whole uh, episode where we'll just talk about uh, the metaphysics behind, you know, the story of Jesus. Um, because in chapter 17, it speaks about um, where Jesus said, 17 of the circle 7, he said, my life is one great drama. So we'll probably do a whole show just on that alone. What does the great drama mean? And how does that apply to us in the now? Because everything mm-hmm. has to be applicable, you know. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a story. So yeah. um, 
dealing with the reality of when we talk about returning back or you talk about the Jesus, um, giving it over to Jesus. It is always, you've always had in history, um, well, throughout history, there's been many different uh, spiritual systems. There's been many different religions. There's been many different, whatever term you want to use, uh, mythologies, whatever have you. And in in practically all of these stories, there has been a exoteric side and an esoteric side. The exoteric is the outer, exo, like exterior. Esoteric is inner. So the thing has been most of the mass throughout time, the masses have, for the most part, been um, familiar with the exoteric explanation of these stories. So it's always about, to them, it's always about someone outside of you. It's always mm-hmm. about, well, I'm going to give it up to Jesus. It, well, it's the same thing people do. It was They said, well, I'm in the African tradition. And then all you hear them talk about is, oh, Shangu, this, um, Obatala, I got to do, you know, cut off a chicken head and pray, whatever it is. I'm just, I'm talking talk, but it is always something where they're giving something to some spirit, some entity, some prophet, somebody outside of them. And that is, that is where, that is just as much um a an exhausting of your energy of your mm-hmm. of your energy and your spirit as it is watching power every sunday it's just as much as exhausting because it's still now the the only thing is that because you're familiar with the aspect of that spiritual system you can graduate to the level of the esoteric side of it, but if mm-hmm. you stay stuck in it, if you stay stuck, you know, saying, oh, what would Jesus do? You know, I'll give my tithes to Jesus. If you stay stuck in that mindset, then you're no different than the person who's, you know, stays stuck doing Facebook challenges all day or whatever. It, you, you're, you're still expending your energy outside of yourself and you're still not working on self, so mm-hmm. it's just the same. It's just the same. In, in and then reality. Get, and, and then you're still they're still giving over their power as well. Yeah, you still give over your power. You still give over your power. And and again, power is the manifest of force. Force is the divine will, as it says in the Circle Seven, the will of Allah. So. And it says also in chapter 17, when the will of man and will of law become one, then the resurrection is a fact. So we talk about the triune, triune law being wisdom, will, and love. Those are three divine aspects that reside within you, right? Within you. You can demonstrate will, what they call might. You can demonstrate wisdom. And you can demonstrate love. All those attributes are within you, as is mentioned in the um, first chapter of the Circle Seven, which talks about 
the seed of Allah. The seed contains all the potencies, um, all the attributes, the human seed, right? It talks about that. Um, man like, but man like every other thought of Allah was but a seed, a seed that held within itself the potencies of Allah, just as the seed of any plant of earth holds deep within itself the attributes of every part of that special plant. So the so spirit man as seed of Allah held deep within himself the attributes of every part of Allah, and seeds are perfect, as perfect as the source from which they come. So that's where we have to realize in the traditional esoteric explanation of religion, there is a underlying narrative that you at your very root are imperfect. That's the narrative that's given. You're bad. You're born in sin. You yeah. you know, you wretched soul like me. Right? That's not what taught in the circle seven. It says the seed is perfect. You just have to manifest it. You because you mm-hmm. have a part of the divine within you. So it's not what the imperfection is simply the imperfection that manifests in your lower self, which is the carnal self, which is the body, which is flesh body. So those are that that aspect is where the imperfection comes in. But in spirit, in the realm of spirit, there is no imperfection because you are a part of the all. You are a part of all. Mm-hmm. And as it says in the circle seven, the law is all. So once we tap into that real, that force, I would rather say force, because the power, the power is just a manifest of the force. When we tap into that force, right, and, we, and going into the holy breath is tapping into the force. Once we tap into that force, which is that will, that divine will, then we, like you said, we, you break outside of these limitations, you know, such as time. You break outside of the limitations, such as the emotions. You're breaking outside of those. All those things, time, emotion, likes, dislikes, um, et cetera, belief, um, belief systems, et cetera, those are mm-hmm. limitations. Yeah. Those are all. Yeah. Limitations and a way to control. Right. The control, the control factor is in limiting you. When when they can limit you, then they can control you. Right. So that that is. I'm sorry to cut you off. I was just saying. Let's face it. You know, to a great degree, there's someone controlling what people wear, what they like, what they talk about at church, what they don't like, the music they're they're listening to, the next show. Somebody behind the scenes is controlling that. They're making people think that that's what they need to, you know, so they're giving up their power essentially to something, to someone or someone. Yes. You know? You know? Yes, absolutely. They they give it up. Once it's, once it's like a spiritually, to give the analogy, it's like, that's why people said it use the term, you drop the ball. You drop the ball. It's like if you play a, and I hate to use this analogy because I, I'm really not a football fan, but if, you, if, you're on, if you're on a playing field 
and you're running with a ball and you drop that ball, the mm-hmm. ball is there for someone to pick up. So if the ball is, is controlled and you forfeit it, the control is there for someone to have. Someone will take it. If you don't control yourself, someone will control you. It's just that that's what it is because it, it is meant to be that way. There has to be this order and there's chaos, right? And, and in order, there has to be control. There has to be control. Um, now, now people will say, well, you know, the government is controlling me, this control, parents controlling me, et cetera. The control structures come in on a plane of things made manifest once you enter into it by virtue of the fact that you are going to desire something. It just your the body is is geared to desire. You're geared you're, you have taste buds. So there's certain things once you're given the taste of something you're geared to desire that taste if it's food. Mm-hmm. A crackhead always desires the first high. That's all they're doing. They, every crack, every rock, if you, if people who, I've never smoked crack, but everybody who, who talked about crack, anyone I heard speak about selling crack, smoking crack, they said they all, the fiend always chases the first high. So it's, but they never reach it. It's the desire. That's all it was. It was a desire of something. So because the physical body is geared towards desire, once it's just like that's where economics come in. In economics, in business, they say there is supply and there's demand. If there's a demand, then you supply the demand. So the demand comes through the desire, usually. It could be a need, but a lot of times it's a desire. It's a desire. People don't need Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's something a they see. Like, you know, a lot of people, well, I want to make money. You know, I want to make money however I can. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. And they, you know. They lose track. They lose focus on on the real, you know, the real purpose of getting to know who they are. As far as you know, like you said, the desire just to whatever, make money, be rich, have everybody love you, or what have you. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, de- it's definitely the always desiring something. Um, like you said, it's even money. It's um, whatever. It's something, and that desire is always being fed by those who look to capitalize off of it. They can capitalize off of it. In other words, create a product or a service to supply that that desire or to to um, briefly satisfy that desire because the trick is into wanting it again and again and again, right? Mm-hmm. That's where a, a drug dealer comes in. If, 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 if a person could stay high at any time from one take of a drug, then they would, drug dealers wouldn't get rich. 
but they come back and they come back and they come back. Um, you know, if a person is addicted to clothes, right, then the only thing is to constantly provide new fashion or his new latest trend, fashion trend, and the person who's addicted to fashion will go ahead jump into that. So it's always built on the desire, and like I said, um, more so than the need. And like I said, nobody nobody needs Coke, Coca-Cola. Nobody needs McDonald's. You don't need it. But the desire can be so strong in a person that they think it's a, a need. Oh, i got to have my Big Mac. No, you don't have to have it. You're desiring it, and the desire became so strong that you, you perceive it mentally as the need. That's why people go through relapse of anything, not just narcotics, but of food. You know, I, I, I've seen, you know, episodes of, of my 600-pound life, and, you know, some of them have just relapsed. It just goes like that. Like, they, they'll lose weight, and then they'll gain it right back because of the desire. It, you have to always realize, again, going back with the concept of the mastermind, the mastermind, being a mastermind deals with mastering the mind. Um, I just want to, before I continue on, because I know we have to um, pass the hour mark, I want to go and read um, briefly the introduction of my book, uh, What is the Higher Self? Um, and I'll just give a um, just a summary um, view on that. And then also, you know, at this um, half hour, if there's anyone else who has any questions, uh, want to, you know, calling people who have called in, if they have any questions or comments, you can definitely raise your hand and we'll let you in and, you know, definitely um, speak on the show. So going into the introduction of what is the higher self, uh, it says the following. Many people have heard of the higher self. However, very few people know exactly what the term means and what it refers to. Different religious leaders have given different explanations as to what the higher self means and who it refers to. Most of these explanations are based on their own personal ideologies and philosophy. The intent of this book is not only to explore the various ideologies and philosophies pertaining to the higher self, but to explore its chronological context as well. And what I mean by chronological context, just to add on to that, um, I'm referring to the different names that were used um, pertaining to the higher self um, that came in the many different spiritual uh, writings throughout time. So that's what it was. Um, as an assistant grand sheik within the Moore Science Temple of America, I will also expound on the teachings of Prophet Noble Ali in reference to the higher self today within what is called the quote-unquote conscious community of melanized people. You will find a host of teachers authors and lecturers who speak on the subject of the higher self. It is important to note that Prophet Nobudra Ali was the first Asiatic in America to public, publish information which made reference 
to the higher self. And I just want to uh, interject there that when I say that, that he was the first Asiatic in America to publish information, uh, I'm I'm referring to the fact that he made this information available to the public. Now, some some people who are familiar with the history of, of uh, metaphysicians know about a man named um, P.B. Randolph who established the first um, Rosicrucian order in America who was an Asiatic, a melanized individual. However, that order was a secret order. It was a secret society. Um, and then, of course, we know Noble Drali said he came to remove the cover off the um, secret society. So that's what we mean when we say um, that's what I mean when I make that statement about publishing the information, making it public. This is key because it marked the first time in America when melanized people began discussing the concept. This actually opened the door to further discussion in the subject of metaphysics. From that perspective, it is safe to say that Prophet Nobodrali was the first teacher of metaphysics within, quote-unquote, conscious community. Many people have mistaken Prophet Nobodrali to be just a religious leader. An in-depth analysis of his literature will reveal that this misconception could not be further from the truth. To prove this point, this book will also explore the concept of the higher self within a metaphysical context, and it goes on. So, um, again, that, I wanted to give that introduction because um, many of the the writings that I, I've put out and a lot of the information that you will hear in this show, um, this particular episode and the upcoming episodes, and uh, we hope to have this um Regularly, as regularly as possible on Saturdays. Um, it may not be every Saturday, um, but we will keep you notified. And definitely, Saturdays will be the day for Masterminds of Brother Shimel. And it will be, um, we're looking at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time as the time for this show. Um, so I just wanted to give that brief overview in conjunction with what we've been discussing about mastermind. Um, let me see. I don't know if anybody has any questions. I don't see any hands raised at this time. So I guess we can just continue on um, and just um, just start, you know, continue our conversation, Sister Wilhelmina. We, now, you made, uh, I noticed that you, you talked about the aspect of um, people controlling others in terms of due to the lack of them controlling themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And what what are your thoughts in terms of more science specifically in how it relates to the the I would say the um, the counteraction towards that control. In other words, how we how we can use more science um, to counteract the action of of control 
of that's being placed by certain people who want to control other people mentally, et cetera. From the Morris science perspective, um, I would say when someone tries to control a situation, once you start asking them certain questions, they can't answer. They just want you to do certain things, and they have no thought behind what they want you to do sometimes. Or sometimes they don't want to share it. So in counteracting control, you know, you have to sometimes step outside yourself and look at the situation from a 360 view and just question certain things. As far as this makes sense, if I do this, then this would be the effect of that. You know, just map it out before, you know, when someone tries to take control of a situation or trying to control you. And if you don't want to be controlled, you can, you know, it's like once you start asking certain questions and making it look like, okay, if it makes sense to you, then you can go along, but not in the aspect of letting someone control you, but whatever it is they're trying to control you with. And then on the other hand, if it doesn't make sense to you at all, once you start to question it, that most of the time you just, you know, break down that um, control. Because once you start asking people too many questions, I don't know questions you start answering, you know, if they start asking, they don't, they don't go any further. And they don't try to keep convincing you or trying to control you in a certain way. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that um, because that that brings to mind um, taking back to Chapter 11, uh, the Circle 7, with the conversation um, that it has, it it, uh, describes between uh, Jesus and um, Barata Arabo. And in there, specifically in verse 12, it says, and Jesus said, enlighten the Arabo, are you a mastermind and do not know that man knows naught by being told? He asked the question. And um, to give the context, he asked the question because um, Arabo was speaking about, you know, man coming back as beast, bird, creeping thing. That that um, teaching of reincarnation, where you become mm-hmm. less than a man. And he asked a question. He said, "Are you a mastermind?" And do not know because he asked him before, um, who taught you this? That was the first question he asked. He's asked, who, who taught you this? Because most times when people, you know, that's that's a fundamental question to ask someone when they come with you with a teaching is who taught you? Where did you get this information from? And nine times out of ten today's world, you're going to hear somebody say, I heard somebody say it. I saw somebody say it on YouTube. Um, Something of that nature. They're not really researching. It's based on he said, she said. Particularly now where you have YouTube and you have a series of YouTube scholars who don't really study. They just go off the top of their head 
um, mm-hmm. and freestyle it. So, so that's a fundamental question to ask in more science. Where did you get this information from? Who taught you this? Um, and then if they say, well, I got it from such and such. Did, did you get it from a book? Did you get, can I look at the book? What's the reference? And if they can't get it to you, then you ask that question like was asked in circles of it. Are you a mastermind and do not know that man knows naught by being told? Now, the mm-hmm. interesting thing is that since I've been um, a part of this uh, Morris Divine National Movement, since I joined the temple, I always hear people say man knows not by being told. And that sounds good, but that's not what's in the Circle 7. It says naught. Mm-hmm. It says, are you a mastermind and do not know that man knows naught by being told? There's a distinction made there. And in studying that, mm-hmm. what I realize is that the naught is the illusion because it also says that Naught is falsehood. Naught is illusion. So when you know that, you understand why that statement was being made, that man knows naught by being told. You only know the illusion when someone tells you. You can only stay in belief. There's three steps to salvation. There's belief, faith, and fruition. Belief what man thinks perhaps is true. So if someone tells you, if I tell you, you know, that, you know, uh, I got 76 trillion years of knowledge or I came from another planet, Mm -hmm. and you accept that, you only know the illusion. You don't know the reality because you only know what I tell you. You have never confirmed it as real. You see, what I'm saying that the illusion, the illusion is what is all that that can only be perceived by the five senses. Mm-hmm. It, it literally tells you in the circle seven that uh, what you see with the mortal eyes, everything you see is mortal eyes, is is an illusion. It is because the plane of things made manifest. The manifest itself is the result. It is not, right? So you only getting the manifest from someone telling you um, um, this or that. They're not telling you the reality. They're not telling yeah. you. It has not been confirmed. It has not been confirmed at all. So that is what's so key that in order for us to know, you have to go within. Because it only in spirit and in mind will you be able to confirm the reality of what you're hearing through your five senses. It, it talks about in the, uh, in the additional laws about exercising your five senses. You exercise the five senses to mm-hmm. open the doors to your inner senses, the five physical senses, the open door to your inner senses, right? Yeah. Because you can't, you know, the holy breath can um, cannot be seen with mortal eyes. That's what it says exactly. in chapter 8. 
of the Circle Seven. So, but we do have eyes of soul, though. Yeah. So you can and, see those kind I, of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also can say, like, you know, the other senses that some people don't tap into sometimes. But if you tap into it, when people talking, you can just pick up when they're being genuine and when they're not. You know, like as you were stating, yeah. your inner senses. You know, and some people may call that different things. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. So, yeah. So when people say Absolutely. certain things, you can just tap into whether they're coming. You know whether they really know what they're saying is true or whether they're just BSing you. And you can just pick, you know, pick up on certain things. Just once you start learning about your inner self and who you are and all that other stuff, when people come in your presence, you know, automatically you just pick up on certain things with people. It's just a, and it takes time to do that. It It does. It does. It definitely does. Because everything deals with vibration. And you're mm-hmm. dealing with, like it says in um, in chapter one, you're talking about um, the ethers um, that vibrate. You know, we know that there's in on the plane of things made manifest. There's three major states of matter: there's solid, liquid, and gas. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that's likened to the spirit plane soul plane and plane of things made manifest where the solid is the most dense and the, and the gas is the least dense. So when you're dealing with energy, again, you can, you're developing yourself where you're sensitive to those finer um, vibrations of energy, those more, those higher vibrations. That's where you get the term, I just get a bad vibe from them. They didn't say anything mm-hmm. or do anything, but you vibe. The vibe comes from vibration because yeah. everything vibrates. As it says, mm-hmm. uh, as it says um, in the Kabbalion, everything vibrates. So vi- vibratory rate, raising your vibratory rate allows you to sense higher vibrations and thus a person who says something that may sound good, but, you know, their intentions are not right, you caught it through their vibration. Because they, mm-hmm. they, what they'll emit through their, their vibration, they can't hide. That's not, that's not, they're not telling their vibration. They're emitting their vibration. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's, the, the vibration is the art. What they're telling you is to know it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's as mastermind, being a mastermind, you have to know that man knows naught by being told. You only know the illusion. People, tell, people run good game all, all day. You know, mm-hmm. you and I from New York, we done heard the best. You know, mm-hmm. they, they run game all day, every day. That's what they do. But they can't, you can't fake Vibration. You can't you can't fake that because that's that's of a higher plane from which it's governed. You know what I'm saying? You can only you can only mask it. 
and the the most common way to mask your vibration is talking something that's pleasing to the ear or looking a certain way, you know, just like, you know, we went back to the whole thing about a relationship. Um, to a guy, a girl may be, be a dime piece. She may be fine, but she got a bad vibe, you know, mm-hmm. and he won't find out until way later when when they say the term showing your true colors. Yes. Showing your true colors, that ties back to the aura. Because yep. your aura emits color. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, what it is is that you're lo- you're allowing the um, what they would call the that the the more spiritual part of you, the more the essence, the finer part of you, to manifest more so in your physical action. In other words. If you you have a negative aura, mm-hmm. right? You could have covered it up. A person may have, if a person has a negative aura, they could have covered it up for a certain part of time. But once they allow that, their they manifest what's in their aura through their physical actions. That's where you you show your true colors because you're showing the colors that are actually of your aura. You're showing those. You know, those, if it's negative um, energy, which, man, mm-hmm. which manifests in a color, it's mm-hmm. going to show. That's what you're showing. If it's positive, you're going to show. Mm-hmm. But most times, people who show their true colors, and again, tying to the to the auric field, they if it's positive, it manifests almost instantly. You found because. Because there's no, because you have to be open for that. You have to, there's no hidden agenda with with a, with someone who has a positive vibration with them. It's usually the person who has the negative aura, who has the negative vibe, who um, will manifest that, that frequency yeah. Later on, not in the beginning of their conversation or the beginning of their their interaction. Yeah, because some people like to dress it up. Some people will come dressed up saying the right thing, and they sound really good. And sometimes they can capture people's attention. But the longer you listen to them talk, the more you're saying, okay, something's not right about this person. So people, right. depending on how they come at you, because some people do some they do a good job of trying to cover that whole thing up, you know. And then some people that may come as who they are, and they may be good people, but if they come as who they are, people tend not to, looking with the carnal eye, don't see what they have in front of them. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, like judging a book by its cover. And what I've noticed is that sometimes the people that are, the very best dress, the very best laid out of everything, nine times out of ten has something to hide, something's going on, and they put that extra thing on there so people get caught up in the physical eye-catching appearance and not the spiritual side of it. Indeed, definitely. So when it comes to 
when it comes to stuff like that as far as people's aura and eye appeal. Some people really know how to dress it up. But as you stated, as time goes on, it reveals for some people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they definitely they definitely um, reveal they definitely reveal themselves. Um, it's it's something where, like you said, the the carnal senses uh, are not usually not keen enough to a person's true intentions if they have bad intentions and they cover it up because again they're only they're caught up in they caught up the person is usually caught up in the illusion anyway if you if you're if you're if you're carnal minded you're caught up in the illusion anyway so everything is based on the whole this whole plane of manifest is an illusion anyway so to to actually accept things as they say by faith's value is to accept the illusion to say oh well you know you know that's why uh we're so reactionary to certain things on TV, television, television, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So just that in and of itself. So once we, so it's easy, it's very easy. The mind that can be tricked is the mind that can be controlled. If you can trick the mind, you can control it. They, they have a term called optical illusion. And the optical illusion is based on the mind's perception of what they see. Because in reality, physically, we've never seen anything. All we have is is light that bounces off objects and electromagnetic um, frequency that's called Mm -hmm. light that vibrates at different frequencies. It enters through the lens, the retina, and then goes through the optic nerve, and then our mind creates the image of what we interpret it as. That's why you can have two people look at something, and they can call it something totally different. It, yeah, that's it, true. It, it happens because. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? No, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, you can have that happen. So, so to see something is not to deal with. The deal with the reality. Just as man knows naught by being told, man knows naught by seeing a thing. Because anything seen with the mortal eyes is is the illusion. It's naught. It says that in the circle seven. So you already know that from the beginning because it's based on how these frequencies enter in through your through your to your eyes and how the brain interprets that frequency. Literally. So it's based on your perception. A person can a person who's been taught the image of a pale skinned European Jesus will tend to speak about um, certain things from a perspective of that, 
what I mean by that is that in their mind, even if they have a dream, or some people will even say the near-death experience, they will interpret their the divine individual as a pale-skinned, hippie-looking Jesus. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That mm-hmm. is based on what has already been put in their mind to perceive a divine person, a divine man, yeah. right, because a son of God. Because when their own comes to talk to them, they don't want to hear what their own has to say. It has to be a European that gives them some spark of hope that they would want to listen to. Right, right. And that's why it's so, it's so common that even in the conscious community, what we call the conscious community, you'll have people that need confirmation from the European yeah. on certain things. Because yeah. they've already been they already been programmed at an early age that it's not legitimate if it if it doesn't come from the European. Yeah, because some of them get paid. Well, that yeah. we can. Or some no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I said or yeah. some of them may be getting paid to purposely you know, do what they do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you either have that, or you will have where uh what's that where they'll have the they have the position that uh, one of us if we put out something you know in order for us to be be believable we had to get our credentials from the european or europeanized system meaning just use the example, the comparison, the question that was asked of um, Umar Johnson, where he get his doc, you know, where he get his degree. Did he get a degree? You follow? So, mm-hmm. because they actually put stock into that, you know, that's why, you know, a lot of times, for the longest. If one of our people came out and taught some information that was never heard before, if they didn't have a doctor in front of their name or some letters after their name, then, you know, it was discarded as pseudo. Just because, you know. Yeah. yeah. And that's something the European puts on it to make themselves validated as far as, um, having a couple of letters in front of their name, whether it's a doctor, PhD, whatever the, you know, or if you go back to an ancient history, our ancestors had stuff that they knew internally that they can prove. They didn't, you know, they built, they did different, different things. So nowadays they try to make our people feel as though they're less when they're not. Because when you go to school, they don't teach you everything in school. You know, I went to school. Right. I'm not doing anything that I went to school for. Right. You know, so they teach you what they want you to know. Exactly. And apparently they don't, they don't teach you the real stuff you need to know. And the real stuff you need to know at some, 
Yeah, the real stuff that you need to know at some point in time when the creator inside of you wakes up and say, hey, you know, it's time and you're listening, then you know to get up and you know to start doing certain things when the creator wakes you up. Absolutely. And it's funny because they call it a university, but they teach you nothing about the universe. That's that's, that's funny. And Mm -hmm. we actually, our ancestors actually um, are the founders of the first university, the oldest one being in um, Fez, Morocco. Mm -hmm. So, so, but in these universities, our universities, we taught about the universe. We taught those higher sciences that that related to what we needed to tap in to our higher self, our higher selves. Um, now everything, what they, how they Western educational system is done, is basically geared primarily to producing a labor force. That's what it's geared yeah. towards. That's really what it's geared towards. And because of that, you know, again, if you look at a lot of these, uh, a lot of these, um, you know, melanated uh, authors, you know, who have these PhDs, like they're, they're financed by Europeans uh-huh. heavily in uh-huh. every aspect. They're, they're financed heavily. And and what I I say that to say that they cannot, for the most part, create their own um, stream of income outside of the European. That's what I mean by that. Um, you know, if someone works for a European because they have to, they're not. You know, that's what it is. That's not a knock. But the point of it is, is that. These are considered to be in West in Western society. They would have us believe that they are masterminds, but these masterminds are subservient, independent upon you know someone outside of their own to mm-hmm. provide for uh, their needs in their in their um, producing their works, you know, saying in, in other words, you know, they they're on um, they're on all these talk shows. They constantly with, with all these Europeans. They're on, you know, they're teaching in European colleges. They're doing all this and that. They're they're tied. They're dependent. They're economically and socially dependent yeah, on, that's, I- on these Europeans. Yeah, and I think that's by design and that's part of the control because you have some of our people who think, you know, some of our people that have the that's being pushed by the European, they have a group of people that, you know, sometimes follow them and they may not see the truth the way how the truth is spelled out. So if one of us comes along and we're talking more science, they're thinking, Oh, that's bad. You know, we don't want to do that. You know? Right. So so to to some degree out there our people are not unified because you have different aspects of our people out there doing different things. You have, you know, you have your conscious community and you have people being pushed by the Europeans 
you know, they look successful and they know they're going to get an audience that want to be like those people, going to follow those people. You know, then you have the people that are telling the truth and they may not have a large audience, but like it stated in the Bible, God comes back, not everybody's going to be saved. So, right. you know. Right. And it, and it was, you know, enlightenment, you know, to be quite honest, you know, throughout time when you when you read up all the different um, uh, spiritual writings, the mm-hmm. enlightenment was never with the masses. It was always a small group. Always. Mm-hmm. It always spoke about, you know, whether you have the Essenes, you know, the mystic orders, the Sufis, whatever it was, you always had that small group of people involved in this information um, working to be masterminds. The masses were caught in what we just spoke about, gratifying the lower self. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just always been that way. Um, and in reference, because some people will say, oh, y'all keep talking about the European, and it's, it's not even a hang-up on them. It's just the fact that the reality of it is is that more science is our science. So yep. whenever you have the situation, we ha- we have to look at it as our own and be accepting of our own and yep. stop having a mindset that, um, you know, if you are, you know, you're not valid, if you're not um, from these institutions, you know, that's that's where that comes in. But because they they're not teaching metaphysical knowledge, they're not teaching about the higher self. They may they may hire someone outside of their institution to come and speak on that, but they themselves, you know, are not giving you this information because mm-hmm. you can't really you you can't you can't turn it into a labor force. You know, you can't turn that type of information into a labor force. So um, that's just something to just keep in mind when we talk about this information. Um, Like I said, it's not for everybody. Like I I just noticed there's people, you know, been on the call, you know, called in, listening, and then got off. It's not for everybody, and that's fine. But, you know, for those who it will be, because this will be um, this will be available for playback. So we'll put this out here for people to listen to. Um, they can go back and check it out. And we definitely encourage, you know, people to, um, like I said, I gave my information. I'll give it again. Uh, you can either hit me on Facebook or you can uh, email me. That's shem45 at hotmail.com. That's S-H-E-M-4-5 at hotmail.com. And basically, if you have a suggestion on a topic you would like for us to talk about, as long as it pertains to more science, um, pertains to metaphysical knowledge in conjunction with more science, uh, because that's, that's the focus that this show will deal with, then definitely... Um, I'll definitely be interested in checking out your suggestions. Uh, I know we're almost 
about 12 minutes down to um, to the end of the show. And let me see. Let me see. Just, I guess we can just, I guess we can take this 12 minutes right now since we we've been building. We had a we had a real good build, and definitely honest to you, Sister Wilmina, give thanks for being on this show, the first show, um, well, premiere show. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I was a little nervous at first, but. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, yeah. Oh no, you 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 good. You are good, and um, definitely um, we will definitely be together back on this show in the future. Um, I definitely want to before we end give this give you some time to um, speak on some things. Um, as far as in reference to what will be going on um, um, this coming week. So. October what, 6th, 7th, and 8th will be our nationality slash reparations rally. Um, for people who are interested in becoming nationalized, and that is, um, got lost for words for a second, people that are interested in finding out about nationality and finding out about their ancestors and who they are will be holding a rally at the JFK Hockey Field in Washington, D.C., October 6th, 7th, and 8th. We're going to have a variety of speakers talking about history, talking about civics, talking about what it means to be a part of a nation and people coming out to get nationalized. And it's a spiritual Thing. People are coming together, and we hope a lot of people can come out and just see what it's about and learn more about nationality and their ancestors. Yeah, definitely. And um, for those who are on Facebook, um, you can go to the uh, Facebook page. Uh, I believe it's Race Rights and reparations, that's the name of the Facebook page, and also the name of the website is racerightsreparations.org. So, again, that's uh, racerightsreparations.org. So you can go there. Um, check out the website and also or you can go on to the um, the actual Facebook page as well. So with that uh, we're winding down to about oh, can I, eight minutes. Can I yes. Can I add one more thing? Also, yes. we're going to have um, a doctor who's also He's a doctor in um in uh he's a doctor and he's a vegan and he's a radio show host and he's gonna be speaking. Um and if people are interested in hearing some of what he has to say, which is very much along the lines of what we talk about in uh, more science, they're interested. Um 
he'll be there to talk. His name is Joao Blake, if anyone's you know, interested as well. Definitely, definitely. Gratitude, honest, honest. And um, and he'll be there Sunday, correct? Sunday, yeah. Sunday, got it. So that he'll be there Sunday. Uh, so that would be the eighth of October. Mm-hmm. And um, so with that, again, we thank everyone who has gotten on and checked us out. Uh, we thank. Everyone who will be listening to the show later um, after we end the recording and you get to play it back. And um, again, we look forward to doing more of these shows. We look forward to getting your feedback. Um, Let us know what you think Um, positive, negative, indifferent. You know, we welcome all feedback, all questions. Uh, all comments, suggestions, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to end the show off um, by playing a classic song uh, by none other than the legendary Sam Cooke. The change is going to come. Once again, thank each and every one of you for tuning in the show and hope to be able to uh, do this again soon. All right. Peace.
But he winds up knocking me back down on my knees. Oh, there been times that I thought I couldn't last for long. But now I think I'm able to carry But I know change gon' come. Oh, yes it Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.